All right. Well, we are going to continue our Daring Faith series. So if you're here today um, and uh, you've been tracking along with us, or maybe you're a first time, uh, first time here with us, either way, we're so glad that you're here. And, and I want you to do me a favor. Get out your message notes and your worship guide. And uh, as we track along, as we talk about daring to be generous. Uh, you know, we've been talking a lot in, in that song that we sang right before the, the kids came up. We, we talked about God's promises that his promises are yes and amen. And we have mentioned several times throughout this campaign that the Bible contains around 7,000 promises that God gives to us. And God gives these promises to us, but, but here's the, the reality, is that every promise that he gives comes with a premise. He says, if you will do this, then I'll respond by doing that. That every promise has a premise. There's a principle behind every promise that God gives to us. And that if we will do what God calls us to do, then God will respond in the way that he promises us he's going to respond. And every promise can be counted on. Every promise is yes, it's amen, which means agreement that we're believing in the promises of God in everything that we do in our life. And God gives us promises for all kinds of things. He gives us promises for success, for satisfaction, fulfillment, for blessing, promises for salvation and forgiveness and grace and hope in life. But one of the things that God promises about the most has to do with generosity. Let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 6. At one of the promises that, that God gives to us through the, 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 new, the, new, excuse me, the new Testament leader, uh, Paul, here's what he says. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is really life. So here's the command. Paul says to Timothy, this young pastor, command the people, command followers of Jesus. He didn't say, I suggest this or, you know, recommend this. He says, command this, command them to be generous. Well, who's he talking to? He says, to those who are rich in this present world. Now, at this point, everybody steps back and says, well, that's not me because I'm not rich. If I were to ask you today, how many of you consider yourself to be rich? Probably not many of you would raise your hand up and say, oh yeah, I'm, I'm wealthy, I'm rich, Right? Be, be, but here's the reality, is that wealth is all about perspective. And so often we focus on what we don't have compared to somebody else, but we don't realize what we do have compared to others. I was doing some research last night at this website, givingwhatwecan.org, and it came up with this, that if you have a household income of $50,000, you you're part of 1.3% of the richest people in the world. 1.3% of the richest people in the world have a household income of $50,000. That's 36 times the global average, 36 times what a normal other person makes an average across the globe. Some of you might say, well, I'm not at 50, so that doesn't really apply to me. Well, let's, let's, take, let's talk about 30. If you have a household income of $30,000, you're in the top 3.8% of the richest people in the world. You make 21 times the global average. So based upon that, would you be more willing to say, okay, I might consider myself rich compared to the reality of this world? See, the Bible says this, that command those who are rich in this present world, command those who have to use their money to, to do this, to not put their hope in wealth, but to hope in God, to do good, to, put, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. 
So that's the, the, the premise is this. This is the principle. Commandments who are rich in this world to be generous. And so what's the promise? The promise is that if we'll be generous, then we'll bank treasures for eternity and we'll take hold of real life. We'll take hold of real life. That generosity allows us to experience real life, full life, abundant life, meaningful life. You may have seen, I think some of the kids on stage had our, our, our River Club t-shirts on. You've seen some people around with, with those on. And it says experience life. Because the, the mission of our church is we want to be a church where all people can experience life in Jesus. Because life in Jesus is real life. It's full life. It's abundant life. And so why does God talk so much about generosity? Why does he make so many promises about being generous? Why is there so much in the Bible about, about generosity? When we talk about generosity, we're not just talking about money. I mean, specifically today, we're, we're spending a lot of time, you know, talking about this offering and we are making a financial commitment and contribution, but generosity is not just about money. It's about time. It's about ability. It's about praise. It's about thankfulness. It's, it's any time that we give in a generous way of what God has given to us, that is generosity. And God is so passionate about this call to be generous because of what generosity really, this really is. Write this down on your note sheet. Generosity at its core is love in action. Generosity is love in action. And why that's so important and central to our life and to the life of God is because everything God does is out of love. The very nature of who God is, is love. Jesus said the most important thing to base your life around is to love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love others as you love yourself. You cannot love without being generous. Look at this statement. It says you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. You can give without loving, but you cannot truly love without giving. That if you are truly going to pursue the purpose for your life that God has given to us to love him and to love others, you're going to have to learn. We're going to have to learn to be generous. And God models this for us. John 3.16 says this, that for God so loved the world, for God so loved each and every one of us that he what? That he gave. And what did he give? He gave his son, his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but live an eternal life, an everlasting life, to live this full life. And so today is a day where we as a church are coming to make a commitment, to commit to daring faith, to commit what God has given to us, a portion of that, to these two offerings, this project. And so as we prepare for that today, I want to share with you what happens when we give. What are some of the promises that God gives to us about what happens in our life when we choose to be generous, when we choose to give our money, we choose to give our time, we choose to give our energy, we choose to give our praise. When we give what God has given to us in a generous way, what happens? And I want to share with you quickly eight things that happens when we give. Eight results of what happens when we choose to be generous. And so write these down. We're going to move through them pretty quick. But I believe this. They're going to be an encouragement to you today. And not just in this time of committing, but as we, as people, continue to choose generosity. Here's the first one. The first one is this, is that generosity, one of the results is that generosity always honors God. 
As I said earlier, generosity is an act of worship. It's part of our response to God for who he is and what he's done in our life. And it's a recognition that everything we have has been given to us by God. The Bible teaches us this, that God is the one who gives us everything. Even our ability to earn a wage, our ability to earn and work for things, God has given us that ability. And so everything we have in our life comes from him. Look at a couple of verses. 2 Corinthians 9.13 says, You will be glorifying God through your generous gifts. Your generosity will prove that you're obedient to the good news of Christ. That when we give, when we're generous, we're glorifying, we're honoring, we're worshiping God. In fact, the very purpose why God calls us to tithe and to give money to him is, is all about honoring God and putting him first. Look at Deuteronomy 14, 23. It says, the purpose of tithing is to teach you all or to teach you to always put God first in your life. Listen, God does not need your money. God does not need us to give to do what he's going to do. God is above and beyond economy. But God calls us to give, to be generous, so that we will keep him first in our life. The second thing that happens when we give is this, is that generosity makes us more like Jesus. The generosity is going to make me, and it's going to make you more like Jesus. Now, wherever you are in your, your, your belief about Jesus today, whether you believe that he's the son of God, you've put your faith and trust in him, maybe you're skeptical about that, you're pursuing truth, you're here kind of saying, I'm trying to figure out who this Jesus is. Regardless of where you are, one of the things that you can't argue with is this, is that Jesus was a very, very influential person in world history. And part of the reason why he was influential was because Jesus was generous. Jesus was known to be a generous person. And he calls us to live as he lived. Look at John 15, 12 through 14. It says, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I've loved you. So Jesus says, look at my life and do what I did. Love others the way that I loved. And here's how I love. He said, there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. There's no greater love than to be generous to give of what you have, who you are, for the benefit of somebody else. It's the very nature of love, is to be generous and to give. Proverbs twenty-one twenty-six tells us this, that the greedy always want more, but the godly, those who are like Jesus, who are becoming like him, they love to give. That when we become more like Jesus, we'll learn to become more and more generous. In fact, Jesus says this in Matthew 10, 39, that those who try to hold on to their lives will actually give up true life. But those who give up their lives for me will hold on to true life. That the way for you and I to embrace true life, real life, purposeful life, abundant life, fulfilling life, isn't to try to amass everything in our life and keep it for ourselves, but it's to turn over who we are, every part of us to God and to live based upon the example of Jesus. So the second thing is this, is that generosity will make us more like Jesus. The third one is this, is that generosity will demonstrate my faith. Every time you give, every time I give, every time we're generous of our time, our talent, our treasure, whatever it is we're giving, it's an act of faith. It's an act of faith. It demonstrates our faith. For, for you guys that were in the, uh, the, doing a Daring Faith small group, 
uh, Rick Warren in his teaching the last session was talking about this example of, of a trapeze artist and how it's an example of faith. Because the trapeze artist swings from one bar to the next, there's a split second where they have to let go before they grab on to that next bar or before they grab on to the person who's catching them there. He says, letting go is an example of faith. That faith is ultimately giving over control to God. And every time you let go of something, every time you give, you're saying, God, I'm trusting you with what I am now letting go of. I mean, we see this for, for the parents in the room who have taken their kids to college, right? You letting your kid go when you drop them off that day or they drive to school or whatever, however they got there, there there's a letting go. There's a, a trusting, there's a faith that they're gonna be okay. For some, you're not there yet, but that's kindergarten, right? Or preschool for the first time. You drop your kids off and you're like, okay, I can't be with them all day. You're having to let go of that control. See, when we let go of things, it demonstrates Faith, and the Bible says time and time again that it, it demonstrates, it's the proof of our faith. Look at 2 Corinthians 9, 12 through 13. Paul's writing, he says, this service, talking about giving, you do not only helps the needs of God's people, it also brings many more things to God. But it is a proof of your faith that when we choose to be generous, when we choose to give, it's, it, it demonstrates the fact that we're trusting in who God is. And here's the coolest thing about this call to be generous is God promises us he's going to respond, and he actually dares us to be generous. I put out a message on social media last week. Um, I don't know if you're like this or not, but I have an unwritten rule for me that um, I don't listen to Christmas music until after Thanksgiving. Anybody with me? Like, that's kind of your rule, okay? Um, don't applaud because you didn't read my tweet, right? But I, I sent out a message. I was kind of like, you know what? That's my rule, but... There's so much going on in our culture and our world. I'm giving myself an exemption. And I started listening to Christmas music because I just needed a little joy. I needed a little hope. I needed a little Christmas. I needed to just be reminded, hey, that there, there's, a, there's a season coming where we typically come around each other in a different way. And, and so listen, I, that's just kind of me. So this week I did that. And now listen, I haven't started decorating. I don't do that, right? I haven't like watched Christmas movies yet. But, but I am kind of getting to that place where I'm like, I'm about ready to go full on Christmas because I'm just kind of, I need that, right? Well, one of my favorite Christmas movies is The Christmas Story. Now, you guys are kind of like, that's your favorite Christmas movie? It is. I'm just being honest with you, right? And one of my favorite scenes is the scene at the schoolyard where the, 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 the guys are there and they're daring one of the, the kids to put his tongue on the frozen flagpole, Right? And there's this whole narration going on of this, like, I dare you and all this kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden, one of the guys breaks protocol and he jumps up to what? The triple dog dare. And that triple dog dare is so inviting and so pressing that the kid can't help but say yes and take him up on the dare. Now, we know that this is where the illustration stops because that didn't end well, right? But God literally is daring you to be generous. God is saying, listen, put me to the test. If you don't believe me, try me. Here's what he says in Malachi 3.10. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there'll be enough food in my temple. If you do, so if you're generous, if you give, the Lord of heaven's army says this, I will open the windows of heaven for you and I will pour out, on, I pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. God's saying, listen, if you trust me, then I will respond. I'm gonna bless you. And he says this, put me to the test. 
Because I dare you to be generous. I dare you to trust me. Why? Because this is going to demonstrate our faith. Here's the fourth thing. Generosity not only demonstrates our faith, but it reveals our character. It reveals our character. Now, our character is who we are on the inside. Our character is who we are when nobody's looking. Our character is who we are when, you know, we, it's what we think. It's, it's that, that part of us that maybe we don't want to reveal to people, but that's really who we are. And the Bible says this, that, that our heart is a reflection of our character. And so if we have a generous heart, then you're going to see that in generosity. But if we have a, a, a stingy heart, you're going to see that as well. And, and God says this way, and Jesus says actually, that, that in Matthew 6, 21, that your heart will be wherever your treasure is. So the Bible says, if you want to know your heart, you want to know your character, look at what you value most. Look at what you treasure. And if you treasure generosity, if you treasure obedience to God, if you treasure God's purposes more than you treasure stuff, then you'll be generous. The Bible teaches this, that God actually uses the, the things we have in our life to test us. That he uses money to test what's really inside of us. And in fact, how we handle, how we manage the, the things that God has loaned to us, because everything is God's in this world. The Bible teaches that. We are simply stewards. We're managers of what God has given to us. And how we manage what God has given to us, our money, our time, our talent, our, our passion, whatever that is, how we manage that determines how we're rewarded and the different responsibilities and how blessed we're going to be in heaven. So how we live now has an eternal impact. Look at Luke 16, 11. It says, if you are untrustworthy with worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? Jesus says, listen, if you can't be trusted with what you've been given now, why would God trust you with more later on? Because see, generosity reveals our character. Here's the fifth thing. Generosity brings blessing. The generosity, when we choose to be generous, it will bring God's blessing to our life. Listen, if you want to be blessed, if you want to have an abundant life, if you want to live a purposeful life, if you want to live a life that, that, that is incredible, like if you, if you want God to bless your life, learn to be generous. Because generosity brings God's blessing. Let's look at several verses because the Bible talks about this all the time. Proverbs 22, 9 says this, that generous people will be blessed. Generous people will be blessed. Now we either believe that or we don't, but God promises us that's the, that's the reality. If we're generous, he'll bless us. Deuteronomy fifteen ten says, give generously to them and do so without a grudging heart. Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything he puts your hand to. Do you want God to bless everything you do? Do you want everything that you, when you work, do you want God to bring about positive results? Do you want God to bring blessing to everything that you put your hand to? He says, then choose to be generous. Proverbs eleven twenty five says, a generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. So if you want to be refreshed in life, if you want to find peace, if you want to find encouragement, then learn how to be generous. Look at 2 Corinthians 9, 7 uh, and 8 out of the Living Bible. says, for cheerful givers are the ones God prizes. Do you want God to prize you? Do you want God to be proud of who you are? Do you want God to, to, to look down at your life and say, man, you know what? I'm so proud 
of how you live and what you've done with what I give you. If you want God to do that, then it says you need to be generous. And God is able to make up to you by giving you everything you need and more. So there'll not only be enough for your own needs, but plenty left over to joyfully give to others. That God will meet your needs and he will give you in abundance so that you can continue to be faithful in giving. That generosity brings God's blessings. Number six, generosity also increases my happiness. Now who couldn't use a little more happiness in life, right? Well, generosity actually increases our happiness. And the only people that don't know that are the people who aren't generous. Jesus said it this way in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, says, you should remember the words of Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than receive. Another translation says that it's, there's more happiness in giving than receiving. To be blessed, it oftentimes brings happiness to us. That when we choose to give, it brings about happiness in our life. There's a joy to giving. The joy brings happiness. Last two, number seven, generous also, or generosity also expands my influence. Generosity expands our influence. Listen, if you wanna be an influential person in this world, if you wanna make a difference in this world, if you wanna have a legacy that impacts others and people's lives are changed for the better because of who you are and what, you, what you're all about, then choose to be generous. That the more generous you become, the more influential you will be. See, influence doesn't, doesn't come from what we get in life. Influence comes from what we give in life. You know, think about this. There, there are very wealthy people in our world who nobody knows about. There are very wealthy people in our world who, you know, maybe they're famous, but they're not influential. But there are also people in our world who don't have as much, but have made a powerful influence. Why? because they chose to be generous with their time, with their lives. They said, God, I'm gonna choose generosity. When you help others, when you're generous, you gain influence. Look at a couple of verses, Proverbs eleven twenty four says, the world, world of the generous gets larger and larger, but the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. So it works both ways. The more generous you are, the more influence you have, and the more difference you can make in the lives of people in the world. But the, the other side is this, is that the more selfish you are, the stingier you are, it actually decreases your influence, and you're not able to make as big a difference in this world. The generosity increases our influence. Look at Psalm 112.9. It says, they share freely and give generously to those in need. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. They will have influence and honor. What do you want your life to be remembered for? If you want your life to be remembered for making a difference in the lives of other people, for making, making a difference in this world, it's gonna require that you choose generosity. And here's the last one. Number eight, that generosity will be rewarded in heaven. The last result we're gonna talk about today and last promise is this, is that when you choose to be generous, that generosity is gonna be rewarded in heaven. That what we do with what God has given us now is gonna affect what eternity looks like for us. See, as followers of Jesus, we don't believe that life ends when we take our last breath on this earth. That, that, that our existence doesn't stop when our heart stops beating. But we believe that at that moment, we move into eternity. And eternity compared to this life it is like one grain of sand on a beach. 
But what we do in this life, as short and fleeting as it is, determines who we are and determines where we spend and how we'll spend eternity. And everything we do in terms of generosity, it will be rewarded sometimes not just here on earth, but it'll be rewarded in heaven. Look at 1 Timothy 6, 18 and 19. We began with this verse, but look at a different translation. It says, tell them to use their money to do good. See, money is a tool. Anything God gives us, it's a tool. It's a resource. It's to be used. You know, some people say, well, you shouldn't talk about money, Zach, because the Bible says that money is the root of all evil. It doesn't say that. The Bible actually says that love of money is the root of all evil. Money itself, anything God gives us, it's neutral. We can either choose to use it for good or choose to not use it for good. And Paul says, listen, tell them to use their money to do good. Always being ready to share with others whatever God has given them. By doing this, they'll be storing up real treasure for themselves in heaven. It's the only safe investment for the future. So the only way we can invest in the future and have certainty that what we do with what God has given to us is going to make a difference is to invest it in things that have to do with eternity. And it will be rewarded for that. It also says, though, that we'll be living a fruitful life down here as well. So generosity not only brings blessing here, but it brings rewards and blessing in heaven. Look at Luke 16, 9. It says, I tell you, use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. In this way, your generosity stores up a reward for you in heaven. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, use your generosity, right? Use your generosity to benefit others and make friends. So is Jesus saying, buy friends? Like, give people money so they'll like you? No, that's not what he's talking about. What he's saying is this is use what God has given you, not just to make a difference now, but to make a difference in eternity. And here's a question. Is anybody gonna be in heaven because of how you use your money? Are you gonna change somebody's eternal future based upon what you've done with what God has given you? See, that's what Jesus is talking about. He's saying if you want to invest what God has given you in a way that's going to have a return, invest in things that matter in heaven. Invest in things that matter in the future. Invest in people. Invest in ministry. Invest with generosity in the things that are going to make a difference now that will make a difference in somebody's life so that they can spend eternity with God in heaven as you are. See, generosity, it's not ultimately about us. Yeah, does God bless us? Absolutely. Does God work in our life? Absolutely. But the call to be generous is ultimately about love. How am I showing my love for God? And how am I showing my love for other people? And how I'm using what God has given to me? See, it's easy to think though, as we look at this from a like scriptural standpoint and a you know, church standpoint. Okay, that, that's great and all, but Zach, here's my reality. As you look at you know, your bills and your income and all this kind of stuff you have coming in, it's like, okay, Zach, but, but how, does this, how can this really work for me? Like I get that, but why, why don't I just take care of this and get in a better place here so then one day I can 
give. Well, the Bible says to choose to be generous. And to be generous, not one day, but today. See, because if you are looking at your finances and you're looking at your life and you're saying, okay, I I need this, I need that. I don't have this, I don't have that. And you're trying to figure it out all on your own, then your whole future is based upon how good you are at solving the problem, what you can do. But the Bible says that when we choose generosity, when we choose to be obedient to God's command in our life, now we invite God into the equation. We invite God into the situation. And God can always do more than we can do. Our verse for this week is that God can do everything, right? That God can make anything possible. And it's not just about finances. For some of you, it's your relationship. It's your marriage. You're trying to manage it all. But instead of that, you need to give that to God so that God can come in and you can allow him to solve what's broken. Some of it's your health. It's your life. Whatever God's given to you. When we invite God into the problem, God brings the solution. I want to show you a story through, through video of a couple in our church. Because it's so easy to talk about this and look at life and say, okay, well, how does this work for real people like us? And it's a couple who, on their journey of daring faith and their journey of generosity, they experience some pretty low times. But here's what I want you to see. Is that because of their willingness to follow God and have daring faith in him, God made so much of what we talked about happen and become a reality. And my prayer is this, is that through their story, you'll believe that God can do the same for you. And that his promises are not just for some people, but they're for all those who would seek after him. You guys watch this video. Hey, I'm LeBron. And I'm Carl, the guy you usually hate to sit behind in church because you can't see anything. Lee and I have been married for almost 20 years, and we have two awesome kids, Carl and Emma. We've been a part of River Club Church for the last three years now. But prior to that, God took us on a journey we had not planned on. A journey that brought us to tears and put us on our knees. But you know, looking back on that time now, I wouldn't change any of it. See, back in 2005, we owned a health club in town. We had two young children, and we were working on a large expansion for our business. We were just busy, well, doing life, and we were also active in our church and faithful givers. From the outside, it looked like we were living the dream, but to be honest, behind the scenes, we were struggling. Our marriage had become fractured under all the financial pressure, and we were having a difficult time just making ends meet. While running the business, I had taken on a lot of debt, preparing for the expansion. At times, I struggled with the ability even to make payroll. But even though things were tight, we continued to tithe in faith. As time passed, one thing after another seemed to work against our business expansion. Coupled with the poor financial decisions I had made and mounting competition, we closed our doors in late 2006. I had never envisioned us in this place, unemployed and deeply in debt. I felt defeated. I felt abandoned by God. I felt like I had nothing left to give. Well, and that's when we made the decision to stop tithing. It was really hard for me to watch you in that place. But I kept trying to believe that God had a purpose in all of it. But it was really hard. Our dream was quickly turning into a nightmare. And I couldn't see at that time how God was ever going to work this out for our good. Over time and in spite of our efforts, our world came tumbling down. 
I began to pack our house and prepare for the worst. Carl was working, but was bringing in very little income. It wasn't looking good. I mean, we even had friends bringing us groceries. We were praying and crying out to the Lord, trying to grab onto any glimmer of hope, but it all felt so hopeless. And then one day while praying, I felt God say, trust me. It became clear that the one area we had stopped trusting God was with our finances. We had taken our eyes off God and put our eyes on our circumstances. It had been easy to give when we had money, but it was difficult now. Choosing to give meant we couldn't pay a bill or even put gas in the car. We were scared, and even though our situation looked impossible, we made the decision that we would recommit our finances to God and tithe off of every dime that came through our door. Our motto became, if we go down, we're going down tithing. I would love to say that everything turned around right away, but it didn't. God had another plan. We were broke and broken, so we put everything we owned in a storage unit. Our van was loaded down and we had a thousand dollars to our name from selling off some furniture. With our little ones in tow, we headed to live with my sister-in-law and her family in West Virginia. We spent a lot of Sundays just crying our way through church and praying for answers. We committed our time there to serving the needs of my family, the church, and working at whatever jobs God laid before us. Carl did a lot of painting and I did a lot of cleaning and we tithed on every cent. Our plan was to be faithful, to be healed, and to wait on the Lord. We figured it would take about six months, but again, God had another plan. Ultimately, it was three years before we returned to Virginia. During those years, God grew us in so many ways. We truly learned to walk by faith and not by sight. We experienced the promises of His Word and grew in the rich, fertile soil of hardship. We learned to trust God for our needs and for our future as we gave out of our lack. We lived out Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 that says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. Through our journey, God humbled our hearts. He healed our brokenness. He strengthened our marriage and renewed our family. And then He restored us financially. We've been back in Virginia for about three and a half years now. It's a new season for us. Out of that difficult place, we've been forever changed. It's not that we don't have struggles, but we have a new level of faith and confidence in the God that we serve. I have to admit, there are still times when I get scared or unsure for our future. That's when I go back to that time and I remember what God said in that still small voice, trust me, and I recall all the ways he provided for us. Our step of faith to trust God with our finances was the final surrender. It didn't even make sense at the time, but it was the turning point in our journey. We used to tell people we lost everything. But God has shown his faithfulness through our willingness to trust him. He is worthy of our faith, no matter what. Carl and Lee are in the service today, so you guys thank them for sharing that story with us. What I love about their story is, you know, sometimes you hear the story and it's like, you know, people decide to do the right thing and then immediately, like everything's normal again. Everything's great. But for three years, they had to continue to struggle and God tested their faith. And because of their faithfulness, God provided for them. 
you know, sometimes the most daring thing to do is to trust God when it doesn't feel right, to trust God when it doesn't make sense. It's easy to trust God when things are going okay. It's easy to trust God when you're looking at your, your, your bank statement and you're like, hey, I feel like we can do this. But daring faith so often is saying to God, God, I'm going to trust you even though I don't know how this is going to act, how it's going to, how it's going to end up, what, what's going to happen with this. And, and that may be where you are today. Listen, I've told you time and time again that the daring faith, ultimately, part of it is about giving and committing. But the most important thing is this. It's about you coming to the place in your life where you're willing to trust God because God's ways are best. If you want life, real life, abundant life, fulfilling life, if you want hope and peace, the only way we can find that is by putting our faith and trust in Jesus. And when we do that, God says, I want you to respond as I'm generous to you. Be generous to other people because generosity is an act of love. God was generous to us because he loved us. And God wants us to be generous to to him and to others because we love him, because we love others. And so here's the takeaway for this morning is how are you daring to be generous? How are you daring to be generous? What is God leading you to do with your finances, with your time, with your commitment, with your energy, with your talents? with your family, with your marriage? How are you daring to be generous today? We're at a point in the service where we're gonna move into our time of commitment. And specifically for, um, uh, for this week, um, that commitment is, is making our commitments to daring faith as a church. And so if you have your worship guide, pull out this uh, commitment card in the envelope that's there. I know for those who have been a part of this journey, um, many of you have come prepared today to be a part of that commitment. For all those who are part of the early commitment, here's what I want to ask you to do. Uh, go ahead and take that card out again. Uh, put your name on it and just write early or early commitment because I want you to be part of this um, historic time, this monumental time. Because here's what's going to happen is this. is, is a, In a few minutes, I'm going to pray over us and we're going to have a time to actually bring our commitments to the Lord. And all along the front, there are different baskets. And so as a family and as, a, um, uh, as, a, as an individual person here today, if you're having that commitment, you're bringing that commitment, we're going to invite you to come and place that here as a symbol of your faith. But listen, you might be here today and maybe you weren't prepared to commit, but you're thinking differently. Here's what I want to ask you to do. If you're not ready to commit today, but you feel like God's calling you to be a part of this specific way of giving in faith, Take that commitment card home, pray about it, and then turn it back in. You can do that online. You can bring it back next week. We want to invite you to do that by November 30th because December 4th, we're going to announce to the church and celebrate what it is that God's going to do. But there's two things we're looking to give to. The first one is to our Finish Strong gift. So you'll see that on one side of the commitment card. This is an over and above gift that uh, over and above our regular giving that's going to go specifically between now and the end of the year uh, given to, to help us end the year well financially. The second part of that is our Daring Faith commitment. This is going to go to a two-year commitment, a two-year pledge, two years of giving above and beyond your regular giving uh, to a specific project. 
The first 10% of all that we are given, all that God brings to us through Daring Faith, we're going to invest in ministry and mission and, and projects and organizations outside the walls of our church to expand the kingdom of God and resource people who are serving him here and all across the world. The, the 80%, the majority of that, we're going to put toward aggressively paying down the mortgage debt that we have on our church so that we can be freed up to dream again bigger and to think about what God has for us next and to have more resources and financial resources so that we can continue ministry. The last 10% is going to go toward just capital needs and projects and improvement. And so that's what these two offerings are for. And here's what we've been talking about throughout this whole campaign is the theme has been this, that God desires equal sacrifice, not equal gifts. At the end of the day, God is not saying that every single person should give the same amount of money. But the call of generosity is that every person, every one of us would say, I'm willing to give a sacrifice. Because anytime we give, it requires a sacrifice. And so I want you to know this, that as your pastor at this church, that, that I'm never going to ask you to do something that me and my family are not doing, that we're not willing to do. And so uh, my wife's here today, and so we're, we're putting this commitment in. Um, we've made our early commitment, but we're putting that in today because I want you to know that we're leading the way in this because I believe in this call of generosity. And we've had some come with an early commitment. And so far, um, over throughout these commitments, we about, you know, $550,000 has been given, which is an amazing, amazing amount. But our goals are, are even higher than that. And so today, I want to invite you and give you the opportunity to join us in this commitment. So will you stand with me where you are? And um, as you stand, if you need a commitment card, I should have asked this earlier, but just raise your hand up. Um, we've got some people in the back that can give you that, or you can go back there and grab one of those. And, um, and here's what's going to happen is I want to pray for us. And then the band's going to begin to play at that time. Um, would you come up and, and make your commitment? If you're here today to do that, just come up as an individual, as a family and, and drop these into these baskets. And then I'll, I'll pray over this and dedicate this to God. And then we're going to, we're going to conclude by celebrating what God has done and what God is going to continue to do through daring faith. Let's pray and then we'll move into our time of commitment. Father God, I come to you right now and God, I pray for what you have in mind today. God, your call of generosity is a call of sacrifice. It's a call of faith. It's a call that says, God, I want to trust you. And specifically today as we commit to these two offerings, to our finished strong offering and our daring faith project, God, I pray that as we do this, God, we will do it in joy. We will do it out of love for you. And God, that you would allow this time to be a historic time in our life, in the life of our church. And so God, we give to you now and commit these offerings to you. In Jesus' name, will you come and bring your offerings this morning?